TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Hey there, welcome to TalkZone.com. This is Two Guys in a Mic, and I'm Matt Duffy filling in for John Cohn. We should have Joel Radwanski in with us today, the big dog. I'm not sure when he's going to get here. i got another guest lined up as well, Dan Parr, a staff writer over at Pro Football Weekly, who's going live from uh, Bourbon A. So hopefully we can get some cutting-edge Bears news. But, oh, we got the big dog. Hey, Joel, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, well, you knew I was going to be here, Matt. I, I, I just wasn't sure if I was going to be which particular Matt I was going to be across uh, the phone lines with. <laughs> well, you know what? Then I'm, I'm not thanking you. I take it back. <laughs> uh, um, I, I don't know if you, you heard. I've got a, a friend who's a staff writer over at Pro Football Weekly who's going to be joining us from Bourbon A here in a little bit. So uh, maybe we could talk to him about the Bears, get see what's happening in practice today. figure it would be a nice way to kill 10, 15 minutes. Oh, that sounds very good. I'm really, really excited about this Chicago Bears season. I don't know if that is because uh, the Cubs have eight rookies on their roster <laughs> or the fact that I'm really, really optimistic about the Bears right now. Are you trying to tell me that Mika Hoffpower doesn't get you excited anymore? Oh, my, my guy, did, I wasn't excited about that guy back about four years ago. Did I don't you, need plotting. Okay? He's like, I didn't know he was 28. He's. I thought he was a young guy. I thought that maybe he was He was the future of the team. No, just a journeyman. Yeah, He's a, he's the left-handed version of Jake Fox, is what. He is. <laughs> nice. You can always use one of those on your team. Uh, so you said you're excited about the Bears. What's what's got you so excited? Because I'm the complete opposite. The, the the I'm really excited. Every single weakness that they had last year was improved, besides their offensive line. So like the pass rush, uh, the receiving core is going to be deeper with a little bit more experience. This team they've gotten a lot of good additions in the secondary with uh, Chris Harris and Keith Jennings. They have really improved all across the board, and uh, this is a team that lost a lot of close ball games last year from the simple fact that they couldn't run the football, so Cutler had to force the ball in a lot of bad situations. That's yeah. not going to happen this year. Very They're going to win close games this year. They've got the best special teams in the NFL. they got the best kicker in the NFL. They have, uh, they're going to have one of the top defenses in the NFL, and Chester Taylor is going to add them a lot of uh, versatility in the backfield. And quite simply, Matt Forte isn't going to be hurt for 16 games this year. If you're I certainly hope not. It's going to be a good year, and I like the fact everybody's picking them to be five and eleven. I'm absolutely <laughs> loving it. So yeah, that's uh, that was that was a little disheartening to hear Mike and Mike be so out of touch. I think I like to think that they're a little bit better than five and eleven. But then again, maybe Mike was too busy focusing on the Albert Ho- the Albert Hainsworth uh, sprint test. I don't well, know. I, I don't blame him. By the way, you know what? It, it was funny. I'm, I'm not talking smack, but right when they said that, I was like, I could do that. No problem. Okay? And then after watching Mike Golitz do it, yeah. I don't. I, I, I honestly, how the hell that Albert, Albert Hendricks can't do that, Matt? I, I have no idea. You could do that, couldn't you? Oh, I'd like to think so. And my favorite part was that after he missed all the uh, the, the voluntary offseason training activities, the report was that he came in 30 pounds lighter. How do you lose 30 pounds and you can't pass a sprint test? How did you lose that weight? Well, uh, I, I do know this this one woman. She lives in Kenilworth. It was liposuction for her. <laughs> Maybe he had the uh, the the Roger Ebert lap band surgery. I don't know. I don't know. 
But um, I'm uh, I'm I'm really thinking that a lot of the season is unfortunately going to hinge on Major Wright. I'm uh, I think that he's going to have to fill that that free safety spot. We really haven't had a ball hawk in the backfield in in the defensive backfield in a real long time. And yeah, since, since Mike Brown, who played six games a season. Exactly. Yeah. And he's, he's he's not really a ball hawk in terms of of like getting interceptions. What he is is he's a decapitator. He's an assassin. That guy will flat out bring the wood to people. So uh, what what I'm hoping is you know the other guys are the ball hawks in the secondary. But there's nothing wrong with having an intimidator back there. Oh, but, absolutely you know not. And if, if you're getting some pass rush, maybe he will be a type of guy that'll get the interceptions and stuff. But and that's, but at Florida, he was known like right when he picked him. My boy Brian called me up and he's like, "Bears pick Major right." And immediately when he said he was from Florida, I was like, "He's the guy in the national championship game that almost killed that Oklahoma Sooner." <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yes, it, I do. Some people say it's the, the greatest hit in college football history. I don't think it was that big. But. I, I mean, it was it was big for a national championship game. But yeah, it's always I agree with you. It's, it's great to have a guy like that in the backfield. But I hope they. I certainly hope they don't try Chris Harris at free safety because we know that won't work. Well, you know, they, it's it's kind of the same. If you're playing safety for the Chicago Bears, there's not much difference between strong and free when you're playing that too deep. The only thing is, is every once in a while when they go into the to man coverage, the strong safety will come up closer and actually have the tight end in, in, in man coverage. So, right. it, 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 to be honest with you, and the Bears, it really doesn't make a difference. But you know what? It's funny. You don't like Chris Harris. I love the kid. He is the ball hawk. He is the guy that when when the right when the Bears traded him, uh, what they got like what a seventh round pick? I forgot who the Bears got when they when they got rid of Chris Harris after I, they went to the Super Bowl. But I think it was a sixth round pick, sixth or seventh. A nobody really. Somebody who's probably not even on the roster. But the, the, the truth is, he's got a bunch of forced fumbles, and he had a bunch of interceptions with with Carolina. Yeah, uh, he he has a tackling issue. That's his problem. I think he had eighteen forced fumbles or something like that in in uh, what, three years really? in, in Carolina. Yeah, that's a lot of forced fumbles. <laughs> that's a heck of a lot of football, especially with a team that that I mean that's what they're about. The Bears are the the bend but don't give up the yardage, but strip the ball out while they're giving the yeah. yardage up. Hold so. them up and let somebody else come and come and get the ball out. And uh, that's what I, that's what I love about him, and that's why I really love the the Julius Pepper signing. I think uh, I think our defensive line is really going to bring it this year, and that will definitely alleviate some of the concerns about the secondary. But man, it's uh, it's something that still got me concerned. Though you're right, it's not the offensive line. Not like the offensive line does. That's just it's terrifying. I'm not sure Jay Cutler will make it out alive this year. To be honest yeah, with you, the, see the, what what I'm hoping honestly is what I'm hoping is that the defense is so good that the offense doesn't have to score a lot of points. And I don't want them to to play like afraid on offense, but I just don't want them to be forced into having to score a lot of points. Yeah. So and maybe with. Forte being healthy and the addition of Chester Taylor, you'll have a fresh Forte, an uninjured Forte, and also a backup that's a little bit better than Garrett Wolf. Well, excuse me, a lot better than Garrett Wolf. <laughs> and with this, all of a sudden the Bears can can actually take some pressure off of Cutler and the offensive line. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it and they're bad. Okay. And I, <laughs> so I was bad. reading, I was reading something on, uh, mad on with about uh, excuse me about by Dan Pompey. <laughs> And he said that, uh, you know, normally it's harder to play tackle than guard. Yeah, I read that. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. But his arms are so long, he couldn't get into people. Because when you're playing guard, the tackle's right on top of you. Right. So, you know what, It's after reading that, it was, it was pretty funny. I was like, you know what, 
he convinced me. Omiye, <laughs> who was horrible last year, will he be better at so that. He's so bad. He he just looked confused. I mean, I, I know that I, I I believe you, and I believe Dan Pompey when he said that playing guard is, is a lot harder than playing tackle, but he just... No, no, Frank no, no, just for him because of the... Normally tackle's harder, Matt. It was just for him because of his... He's a skinny dude with long arms. I hope that's it, because he didn't even look like he knew how to play football last year. He it looked like bad. he just picked up the game. And, and see, you know, like if you... When you get beat in football because you get overpowered and somebody mans up and just blows you away... As, especially as Bear fans, all all football fans, we all think our team is tough and all that. But yeah. you know, this team has. When we grew up, it was about punching people in the mouth. So when you see oh, yeah. your offensive lineman get <laughs> jacked into the backfield every play, yeah, that's not not a good look. Definitely, definitely not a good look. Before we bring Dan Parr on, can you take a quick second and tell me what you think about Brett Favre? I gotta know. Oh, really? Honestly, I, I swear to you, and I'm not just, I've said this over and over again. I, I'm so sick of it. I let the, if you want the, the Brett Favre conversation, go put on ESPN because their team in a sports center is going to focus on 48 minutes. And they're going to have some ex kicker from the, the Jets that was there for two weeks to give his opinion on whether he thinks Brett Favre is going to be back or not. I think ESPN so, might have already blown their load, actually. I was watching NFL Live last night, uh, and they seriously had 30 minutes dedicated to. Brett Favre, his best plays, his best moments, sound bites, everything. Everything. There's no chance he stays retired. Not one. <laughs> not, not one. It was cracking me up. They just couldn't wait. They couldn't wait to run it. Maybe ESPN forced him into retirement. I would, how, how would the guy go into retirement when he's, what, about 700 yards away from 70,000, three touchdowns away from, from 500, and a season away from starting in 300 consecutive games. Seriously, and and if that wasn't enough, like it's not it's not like there's more than two other quarterbacks in the league who can do what he needs to do on Minnesota to take them to the Super Bowl. I mean, he's one of he's one of two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks, excuse me, Tom uh, Brady and Peyton Manning who can take that team where it needs to go. Well, Drew Brees too. I'll, I'll throw Drew Brees I, I would in that definitely put Drew Brees in because if you really think about Drew Brees' weapon, I mean, yeah. really think about but, Reggie Bush and Marcus Colson are good players, but everybody else is just like an adequate player in an unbelievable system and a quarterback oh, who delivers the ball. Absolutely. And they I mean they've had turnover on the offensive line too, so it's not like they have, you know, the Minnesota well, Minnesota doesn't have that great of an offensive line now, but it's not like they have a bunch of Hall of Famers on their offensive line either. It's really just him putting everybody on their shoulders. But uh, I just uh, I had to, I had to know what you were thinking of uh, Brett Favre. As for- and okay, so if you really if you really want to know how I feel about Brett Favre, this is the best way for me to put it. I think the Bears are better than the Vikings. I want Brett Favre to come back so the Bears can be the one, the team that ends his streak. Okay, I want ninety million. I, seriously, if if Julius Peppers is decent this year, which means he'll be a bust. Honestly, <laughs> really? If you yeah, no, think- you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, if, but for somehow he's the one who busts through the line, picks up Favre, and drops him on his head. Okay, and all of a sudden Favre can't play next week, and his streak has ended. I feel like that was a beautiful signing by the Chicago Bears. Yeah, oh yeah. So, <laughs> I guess, and I'm not kidding you, I don't wish ill will on any other team or player ever. Seriously, I hope you guys, like I'll make fun of people, but I don't wish injury on anybody. <laughs> but, but Brett Favre? Wrangler. <laughs> oh, so I hope that doesn't bring bad karma to me. I believe in that stuff. But <laughs> at least, at least you stick to your guns. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's kicked the Bears' butt for years. I, I want. 
Every time the Bears just whoop on Brett Favre, like last year in that Monday night game, that was, it was just a thing of beauty. And oh, by the yeah. way, that Monday night game cost the Vikings home field advantage. And don't forget, Brett Favre was the one who was afraid to get hit last year when he just should have just dove on the ground and he decided to throw across his body and oh, cost the Vikings going to the Super Bowl. Man, seriously, just one bad decision away from going to the Super Bowl. And then and then he, if he went to the Super Bowl, they probably would have won it. And then we could be, just be rid of all this because he would have just retired. He would have retired for real. We could just not have to deal with it anymore. Yeah, and uh, they, they, they were better than the Colts. And so you know, that's when he cost them the Super Bowl championship. But you know what makes me upset about this Brett Favre thing is I want him to play. I want to see Brett Favre out on Sundays. Like what, I, because you I like him? I don't, I don't like him. I respect him. He's that good. He's that fun to watch. Do you remember that play he made against San Francisco last year in like week three where he, it was the end of the game, he threw that 40-yard touchdown pass to Greg Lewis in the back of the end zone, so Greg Lewis could have his David Tyree moment. That was all former Illinois, or third-string wideout Greg Lewis getting it done, okay? (laughs) Okay, this diehard Illinois fan here, right when that ball went up, I was like, only Greg Lewis can catch that. And I was like, oh, what a coincidence. Thank God he was in the back of the end zone. Otherwise, that would have been game over. (laughs) Would have been game over. But that's why, that is why I want Brett Favre to play. I mean... You know, you forget. I personally forget about all the drama when I watch him on Sundays because he's that he's that captivating of a player. He can still make so many plays at his age, and that's what makes me so mad about all this. Yeah, I, I gotta say something. I don't know how he does it because uh, uh, I, I have a, a shoulder injury, and you know, I play six in softball. <laughs> I, I got one good throw in me, uh, like a week. To be honest <laughs> with you, and, and you know, I'm gonna try to like toot my own horn, man. I I used to have a cannon. You know, I'm a really in-shape guy, and I take good care of myself. I don't know how he possibly does it. I was like, the amount of abuse that my body has taken has put me in a condition where I can barely get up. I creak, you know, and I figure out a way to exercise. <laughs> yeah. What, what, can you, he's got to go through legit, uh, 10 million times more punishment in his life than oh, yeah. I have legitimately. Seriously. Oh, oh yeah. He's. I mean, he. even if he doesn't get his jersey too dirty at the end, he's still getting his butt kicked every Sunday. Yeah, uh, but. Yep. We're going to take a quick break real, real quick, Joel. Uh, we'll be back in just a second with more Joel Radwanski and Matt Duffy.
are back. Matt Duffy here with uh, Joel Radwanski, two guys, and a mic on TalkZone.com. Joel, thank you for taking the quick break. A little news about Dan Parr. We can't get him on the phone yet. He's probably having an in-depth conversation with Brad Maynard because we know how uh, Pro Football Weekly rolls. So uh, hopefully we can uh, we can get him on in a little bit. But, Joel, I would like to get back to the Bears. Thank you for the break to get us off of the dreaded Brett Favre topic. What are your realistic expectations for the year? I, I've, I'm sick of, of listening to Dan Pompey and Brad Biggs, who, who's doing yeoman's work, by the way, for the Tribune. He's cranking out, like, four stories a day. That man, mm-hmm. is, he deserves a raise. But um, I, I'm, I'm all over the map. I've heard 10 and 6. I've heard 5 and 11. What, what are you realistically expecting here? Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping they could – basically manage that first really, really incredible stretch of tough games at the beginning of the season. You, you know, you're implementing a new offense. Uh, you're still, I don't care what anybody says, you're still trying to figure out the timing between your receivers and all that stuff. That's why I, I really do want to see uh, Cutler and the, and the first team play a little bit more in the, in the, regular, in the preseason than, than typical. Even though I, yeah. normally I'm totally against that. I agree. Uh, but for this team, I, I want to make sure they're on all cylinders because when you start out with the schedule, if the Bears start out with their first six or seven games, yeah, you don't want to be buried. Nope. And, and in this town, you know, if they start out two and five, three and four, people will like, oh, they're done, they suck, and all that. And, <laughs> and you don't want to have to play that way. <laughs> yeah. So Chicago Chicago fans are very quick to jump off the bandwagon. Yes, yes, they'll, they'll continue to watch the games. The next <laughs> thing you know, it's like. You know, you get in that particular situation, you're down ten nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. You know, in game eight, and everyone's leaving the stadium. You suck. You know. And then, <laughs> oh yeah. And you, and, and you don't want that the type of atmosphere. So, but I do think this. I I, I do think they are going to figure out how to weather the storm early, and they're going to get on a run late. And and I think this team's going to get hot late in the season. Uh, they're going to win at least ten ball games this Ooh. year. And and they're going to go on a stretch in the second half of the season where they win like six or seven games in a row, unless like you know how the NFL is, Matt. <laughs> so like teams that who knows the way the schedule looks now it looks like wow look at the first six games and the last you know like eight are really easy but yeah everything could change oh could absolutely happen. absolutely like, it's unpredictable the Jets could like the Jets who everybody is like oh they're the best team in the AFC they could they could win it Sanchez could be horrible Sean Green could be you know, a fumbler, and the defense could be nowhere near as good as we think. You know, and then uh, like the Buccaneers, who were horrible last year, that uh, next thing you know, they could that Marcus Freeman kid could be the, the you know the next coming of, of Doug Williams. So and absolutely, and and the Lions might even surprise him. You never know. You absolutely never know. And that, that's the one thing I love about football. But ten and six. Yes. Yes. And. And, okay, you don't think, because we don't know each other that well, <laughs> don't think that I'm like one of these uh, totally rosy fans about my teams. I always 100% give you total, total objective uh, predictions on my teams. I, like, I'm, like I, I bleed orange and blue when it comes to football, basketball, everything. And I mean in terms of the Illinois fighting okay. Illini, the Chicago Bears. Okay. I'm going to tell you this straight up right now. Illinois is going 3-9 and nine if they're lucky in football this season. <laughs> so, and, and last year, going into the season, you know, I, I was like, you know, there's no way the Bears make the playoffs. So, yeah, it, very true. Me, I, 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 when I talk about the Cubs before this season started, I'm like, it's over with. I was like, they had six rookies in their bullpen. And they did at the start of the season. Luckily, they only have... Five now, but they have one in the starting rotation and two in the starting lineup. Yeah. So now, so a third of their team is rookies. So, 
but they they got to do something on the north side. They need they need to bring in as many new players as possible. In in my my opinion, uh, I think I, I, whatever I they're doing is not working. I, I agree with that, but I, what the Bears are doing, I think, is working. And every, you know what I like about them is the fact that everyone has ripped their receiving core. Yeah. It's not as bad as Agreed. people might think. They're gonna. They're, I think the receivers are definitely gonna su- surprise some people. But I, I feel like I'm one of the few Bears fans. I don't want them to win. I really, I really, genuinely don't. And this is Why? one of my favorite teams because I want Jerry Angelo to get fired. I don't want him in town anymore. I think he's not good at his job. I'm sick of whiffing on first-round picks. I'm sick of trading second-round picks for Gaines Adams. Even if Gaines Adams hadn't passed away, he looked like he was on skates every time he was on the field. No, you're right about that. You're exactly right. I am not about to rip the guy because he died. I'm going to rip him because when he traded for a guy that couldn't get off a block. Right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think the only reason he really traded for him is because he was a former top-five top pick, top-ten pick. Yeah, so they also were going to have to pay that guy, you know, like five million a season for a couple of years too, so <laughs> absolutely it was not a good trade. He's good. Yeah, he's going to get five million dollars a season to be Mark Anderson. We already have a Mark Anderson. Why do we want two? There's no no need in having two Mark Andersons. But I'm Lovey Smith and Jerry Angelo. I'm just sick of, and uh, I I don't like to think that I'm one of these uh, uh, irrational Chicago fans who just hates to hate. I I don't want a coach who makes the same face when Jay Cutler throws an interception from his own six yard line. As he does when we recover a fumble in the end zone, I don't. He makes the same face all the time. It really bothers me. I just can't stand it. So, no, go ahead. You know, the one thing that I noticed about the Chicago Bear play is it's always consistent. <laughs> what, I, what I mean by that is they never come out fired up, and you know, it's not like one week you could look at it and be like, "Man, they look really fired up this week." No, it's always. Oh, we got damn. They come out. They come out even keel. So, I, I have. I, I do like that about them. Yeah, <laughs> they come out. They always come out with the same intensity every single game. So. <laughs> they, they, they certainly do. They come out. They come out just extra average all the time. <laughs> that is very, very, very true. And for that, I salute them. Consistency is key <laughs> in this world. But uh, I think we've got uh, Dan Parr on the line from Pro Football Weekly calling in live from Bourbon A. This is kind of a treat. I'm a little bit excited. Dan Parr, thank you for joining us. Good to be on. Thanks for having me. Uh, Dan, you're also with uh, Joel Radwanski, my co-host for the day. Uh, All right, Dan. All right. And, uh, what's going on, Joe? What's the, uh, what's the weather like right there? Are you, are you getting rained on, too? No, it's uh, cleared up, it seems like. Uh, about to head outdoors, actually. So, uh, But it looks like looks like we're clear from the rain. Have you uh, have you seen it? Did they did they get practice underway before the rain came in, or, or did anything happen yet? Uh, they're just getting started. Uh Special teams drills going on, and uh, looks like it's going to be a, a bit of a walk through this morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dan. Before before we get at any technical questions, I just like off the cuff. I just want to know: do, do you and the other reporters actually like sprint and try to get in a better position when they're actually having goal line drill? Because without question, when you can watch NFL players basically 30 feet away from them run into each other at full speed. It, it's one of the most beautiful things on the planet you can watch. <laughs> well, I'll have a better answer for you in a few minutes, but uh, <laughs> this is actually my first uh, first trip down here. So I'm going to have a kind of get to learn the ropes here, figure out where I need to be to get a good view. Uh, when you're five foot six, these kind of things are important. So I'm going <laughs> well, to try need to, do to is... feel my way around this, uh, the terrain here. But, uh, yeah, I think that... Uh, you know, getting an up close look at these guys will definitely be cool to see. Bourbon is a beautiful town, isn't it? 
<laughs> it is. It is. From what I can see, I'm thinking about making a move, maybe. <laughs> Staying down here, maybe. <laughs> it's hard to resist. Hard to resist. Um, yeah. Yeah, we were just getting into a, a little Bears talk, uh, talking about the secondary and the offensive line. Uh, what, what does Pro Football Weekly have you down there looking at today? Well, actually, uh, offensive line is something I'm going to be looking at. Uh, probably working on a story on Chris Williams, uh, who's a not a not actually one of the more sure things on this offensive line right now. Uh, you look at him and Owen Cruz; those are really the two guys locked into place uh, at their positions. And uh, you think Roberto Garza is probably going to be at right guard, but although that's not for sure. And then Frank Omiyal probably at right tackle, but maybe that could change. <laughs> uh, the left guard it looks like Josh. Beatman and Johan Asiata, uh, household name, of course, uh, could be doing it out for that spot. So there's a lot to be cleared up here. The offensive line is definitely one of the biggest concerns on this team. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and they, they brought in Mike Tyson, a former head coach, in order to try to correct the problems. They didn't add any free agents or any players. They just brought in a nobody. Well, they brought in some possible people to compete, but no one that you know is going to actually start. How much difference do you think Mike Tyson is going to make in development of the other team? Well, if you if you go back and look at what the Bears did, they hired Mike Tice before they knew who their offensive coordinator was going to be. So that was a pretty bold statement. They really feel like he's the guy to come in and resurrect this whole line. Uh, that uh, they, they really have a lot of faith in him. Clearly, he's done a good job in the past uh, with offensive lines, and they're, they're hoping he can do the same with this group. But it's going to be a challenge, especially with uh, again the, a lack a lack of just influx of talent. I mean, I don't understand. I'm confused as to how you can tell everybody that you plan to be better when you don't really bring in anything different other than a coach. I know that that Mike Tice uh, is is accredited with with turning around a Minnesota line uh, back in the '90s that had Randall McDaniel on it, but Randall McDaniel was a was a surefire Hall of Famer. I don't see anybody with that kind of talent on this Bears line, and and I'm just afraid that because of the the turnstile that's going to be in front, uh, it's going to throw Jay Cutler off his game, and I'm not sure that he could take another. Another year, the beatings he took uh, is that is that a dynamic you think you'll be looking for? I mean, it's a valid question. You know, I, I don't think we'll have a real good sense of that until we get these guys out in preseason games, and then even clearer picture when regular season gets underway. Uh, I know that the Bears' defensive line has been making the offensive line look bad at times in drills. <laughs> uh, on the way up, I heard uh, last uh, yesterday, Jake Keller was a little bit frustrated with uh, some protection breakdowns. So. But that's going to happen with any team. It's not unique to the Bears. You know, in camp, there's going to be offensive line going to have problems at times. The defensive line should be ahead of the offensive line at this point. Uh, you know, with the, where we are in terms of early in training camp, when parts of the offense are still being installed, you know, the defense can just react and go out there and uh, get out to the quarterback. Right. They're a little bit easier position right now. But the offensive line, like I said, debate a big question mark. And uh, hopefully, hopefully that's uh, that's exactly what the defense will be. Just uh, be put in a position where they can just react and and hopefully just get after the quarterback. And uh, you you got to think that Lovey Smith uh, and Jerry Angelo are are quite confident with that, seeing as how they they bank they pretty much bank their jobs that Julius Peppers will save the secondary. Uh, you could you could say you know yeah, between the colored trade and uh, the Peppers signing. Uh, you know, these are two guys that really hitched their wagons to. They put a lot of faith in. Some people have questions about both guys, both immensely talented. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Julius Peppers has been a guy people have questioned whether he gives all he has every play of every game. Uh, so we'll see how he does with this new system. 
Uh, I have a feeling he's going to have a big year, but we'll, we'll uh, again, not not a not a sure thing at all. No, we're speaking with Dan Power for Football Weekly. Dan, okay, I, I do agree that you know Julius Peppers will make a difference, even if he takes plays off. Okay, the simple thing is you're going to account for him on every play. My question, my biggest thing that irked me the most offseason was not the addition of not an addition of a good receiver or an offensive lineman. It was the fact they let Alex Brown go. This is a guy who was completely consistent from the day he stepped on the field. He was the Bears' best defensive player all last year, and including Lance Briggs and, and Tillman in that in that uh, regard. Who's going to play the other end? I mean, is Mark Anderson going to be able to play every down? Is Corey Wooten going to be able to step up? Is there another end that can actually contribute for the Chicago Bears? Well, I I think the two names you mentioned are the ones that, that are going to be in a lot of playing time. I, I can't think of uh, I don't actually cover the Bears for Pro Football Week. It's not one of the eight teams I cover, so I don't know the rush <laughs> in and out. I can't, okay. can't claim to know that. But uh, I would probably have a better answer after practice today when I get to see these guys. But yeah, it, you know, maybe they will miss Alex Brown. It's possible, but I think Julius Peppers, what he's going to do on on one side, uh, the attention he's going to get from defense is really going to open things up for the guy on the other side, whoever it is, yeah. uh, whether it's Mark Anderson or Wooten or somebody else. So we'll. we'll uh, We'll see if that comes through. I've, you know, I think if Julius Peppers is attracting double teams, that, that should uh, free up Mark Anderson to make some plays. Uh, I asked, uh, I asked Joel this earlier, and, and I'm asking you, Dan, completely as a fan. Um, what, what are you reasonably expecting from the team this year? Uh, I think it's fair to expect somewhere in the range of nine wins. I mean, I think that what you know, the Brett Favre's rumors are. All the buzz right now, but a good chance I think that he'll be back. Uh, some people think he definitely will be back. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to we're going to see a major shift in the way that the NFC is uh, shaping up. I don't I don't think we're gonna suddenly going to have a no uh, you know playing it out Brett Favre. So that leaves the Bears. I still think in the third spot in this division. Whether uh, now a lot can change in an NFL season with injuries and everything else, but heading into it on paper. I think uh, the Bears are clearly third behind the Packers and the Vikings. Uh, I mean, even without Brett Favre, do you think that they're a better team than the Vikings? I think it gets a lot closer. Uh, I think when you have Sage Rosenfelder, Mark <laughs> Jackson as your quarterback, it's going to knock you down a few pegs. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to win as many games as that. And I think the you know the Bears would certainly benefit, as would the rest of the NFC, if the Vikings were playing without Brett Favre uh, next season. Yeah, you, you, well, you know, ahead. Dan, you're exactly right on paper. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're right. The Packers look better than the Bears in a lot of different situations. But don't forget, Aaron Rodgers took a beating because the Packers' offensive line isn't exactly, you know, they're not going to win any awards either. I wouldn't exactly, I know you're just going by the on paper stuff. I wouldn't just assume that the Packers are going to be better than the Chicago Bears this year. I, I really don't. That's a, that's you're in, you're entitled to that opinion. I, I think the Packers' defense is, uh, despite their bad showing in a in a playoff game last year, has a chance to be really good. Um, statistically, they were pretty strong last year in a lot of areas. Um, and I think Aaron Rodgers is on his way to become one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I, I think yeah. they really have uh, a pretty talented group, and uh, they have a chance, I think, to win that in a season here. And they're missing Johnny Jolly. Johnny Jolly would make uh, a nice impact on that defense, but he decided that uh, he would rather have a felony drug charge. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna miss him. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was not a good. Uh, I don't know if you would have rather had that, but <laughs> yeah, would face that decision. Who wouldn't rather have that? Uh, 
Um, but also, uh, we, we were talking about the Bears. Just shift back to the Bears a little bit. Um, Tommy, I, I want to just run this by you just to see what your reaction is. Uh, I know you don't cover the Bears, but but I was listening to uh, Comcast Sportsnet Sports Night the other day, and Tommy Harris was on uh, being interviewed by somebody, and he, with a straight face, said he should have made the Pro Bowl last year. Um, now, Tommy Harris had... 30, he had 21 tackles, two and a half sacks, and an interception. Um, I mean, it, are you are you sure he didn't say that he should have went to the Pro Bowl as in like taking a flight to Hawaii? And like, <laughs> he he said he should have made the Pro Bowl. He said he he was on par with the last Pro Bowl year he had. Straight face, straight face. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know what context that comment came from, or I I don't know what you know what he was. It sounds delusional, obviously, Thank you. when you describe it that way. But I, I don't, I don't know. Without having heard the question you asked, or uh, you know, seen that that clip, I don't know if I want to uh, comment too much more beyond. Uh, it sounds a little odd. <laughs> uh, just, and uh, he was—he's crazy because he did not play well last season. That's what I, I was going for. Plays off. <laughs> see, I gotta be more careful because I might see him later. <laughs> that's that's true. I guess he's I didn't think about that. He's kind of big like and scary. A, I don't care what kind of season he had last year. He could still do some damage. So. Uh, what's the uh, what's the media crowd looking out there like today? Is it packed? Uh, I wouldn't say that, uh, but there's you know the strong contingent is out. Brad Biggs from the Tribune, Sean Jensen from the Sun Times, uh, several other uh, characters are out here. Uh, radio guys. Good lord, Brad so, uh, Biggs deserves a raise, man. He has been just—he's just been cranking out so much work for the trip. They're working him like a horse. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, do they even have pads on today? I don't—I don't think they do. Not at the moment. I think they will tonight. Uh, they still have practice at seven again t- uh, tonight, and uh, I think they'll be fully padded at that point today. Right now, they're just in helmets with uh, shorts and jerseys. Are you still—are uh, you still covering the AFC West? Uh, I do cover the Broncos and Raiders. Oh, you cover the Broncos and Raiders. That's pretty much all I needed to know. When is Tim Tebow going to be named the starter? <laughs> uh, I checked back in about a year. <laughs> uh, Just one? I don't think you, you had Well, you know, Kyle Orton's going to, his contract's going to be up after uh, this season. He's playing on a one-year tender. Uh, Brady Quinn, I, I believe, is in the final year of his deal, or he may have one year after this. Uh, I have to check that. But, uh, you know, it's, I wouldn't rule it out. Tebow going into the next training camp as a starter. We'll have to see how he does. Josh McDaniels clearly has a lot of faith in him. Uh, you know, traded three draft picks to get in the position to draft him with a 25th overall pick this year. So oh he thinks he could teach him, coach him up, and get him ready to go. Uh, you know, I don't know if we'll see him taking a lot of snaps under center this year. I'm not sure how exactly he'll be used, but uh, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if we head into next season with Tim Tebow as, uh, as a starter in Denver. I, I think he's going to surprise people, and not this year, but I, I do think he's going to end up being a really good draft pick for that team. That guy's got work ethic, and that should count a little bit for some. But, so. I just feel bad for Broncos fans if that's if that's the case. I don't I I don't see a, I never saw a quarterback who really was counted on to make a lot of throws. I I thought he just made a lot of quick reads, either an option read or either a check to one receiver and then a, and then a run. If you couldn't find one guy open, goodbye. And you can't do that in the NFL. I don't. Uh, I don't think that uh, he, he's going to have the career that everybody expects him to have. Plus, I'm sick of, of the media hyping him up as the second coming of Jesus. So it'll be nice to see uh, <laughs> to see him fail. But uh, 
Dan, last last question. Um, I don't know. Uh, I know you don't. Again, don't cover the Bears. Dan Parr, Pro Football Weekly. Um, what what was the reasoning beside behind moving Zach Bowman from the right side to the left side? If you had to give it your best guess. Uh, well, I think they feel like he's in a better. They, the, the field that he decided that he moved to is usually where you see your best receivers line up. There's more ground to cover over on that side a lot of the time. Uh, and in this defense, that's the more, you know, important. I, well, I wouldn't say important, but that, it's just a spot you want to have your best corner in. And they feel like, you know, while Peanut Tillman is still, you know, a guy they like a lot, and he's at the kind of downside of his career at this point. I mean, he can force turnovers and he can stay with some receivers. But Bowman's a little, probably a little quicker, a little more athletic, a little able to cover more ground, and I, and I think they're more comfortable with him over there um, at this point. All righty. Um, that's, that, that good, is that a fair explanation? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, man, that's exactly what I was going for. Uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out the, the reasoning behind it. Um, Zach Bowman, I didn't think was that, was all that impressive of last year. And, and Charles Tillman was probably one of the most consistent defenders we've had in, in the seven years that he's been here. Uh, I just thought it was weird to mess with the player's confidence like that. Well, well, I don't know if, I'm not sure we could make that jump quite yet. I don't know if this Tillman's confidence is down because of that. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's the kind of player that really uh, would would really feel down if, if that would, someone making that move. It's not a demotion. He's still a starting corner. He's just going to be playing on the other side of the field. And, uh, you know, I still think the Bears consider him a leader on defense. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's not the end of his career or anything. It's just, uh, you know, he's had some injuries in recent years. And uh, I think to feel like Bowman is a little better position over there. They want to, you know, they want to utilize these guys to their strengths, and uh, I don't think they would have made that move if it didn't make sense for, for the way this defense lines up. Fair enough. Um, Joel, you got any more questions for Dan? Hey, no, I'm good, Dan. I do appreciate you taking the time, and uh, <clears throat> it, it would be fun to be out there watching this. And make sure you get a close-up view of the, uh, of the end zone drill, or goal line drill. I'm not kidding you. It's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see in the world. <laughs> well, right now I'm just watching Mike Marks. Pointing things out to Devin Hester, so uh, <laughs> I bet that conversation would be fun to listen to. Just tell Mike Mars to speak slowly. <laughs> <laughs> patronize, Mark. Patronize. Uh, um, but before before I let you go, DP, um, I need to know: Is Blake Dewitt your boy? <laughs> um, uh, he is uh, not my boy yet, but if he has more games like he did in his first one with the Cubs, he'll he will he will definitely become my boy. Uh, but right now so it's was... hard just hard to watch the Cubs, so I don't. <laughs> I can't say I know what he did last night because uh, it was another painful, painful uh, performance. Yeah, I didn't even want to bring up the Cubs really with you, man. I I don't want to. I don't want to. Oh, go you into did. That. You did. You wanted to bring it up. <laughs> oh, of course I do, but I wouldn't do that. I don't want to do that to you because you're doing me a favor here coming on the show, and I I don't want to do that to you. I don't want to get you all riled up thinking about the Cubs. But, appreciate it, man. No, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, DP. And, uh, you know, next time I get an opportunity like this, we'll have to do this again soon. Sounds good, man. All right, man. Take care. All right. Good talk. Good good Bears talk. But I am uh, I am ready to switch to baseball. Um, and I am ready to talk Cubs, Joel. Man, they suck. Yeah, this, uh, the way they lost yesterday pretty much epitomizes uh, what the heck's going on. Starling Castro trying to make a play slip. <laughs> Rounding first base, he was the tie-in run. He would have easily made it in the second base. He was being real aggressive just the way the season goes. His feet come out from under him. He falls down in between first and second. Ends up getting thrown out. And 
I guarantee the guy after him probably would have hit the ball out of the ballpark and went in and said, <laughs> of course. you know, uh, that's the second out of the inning and Derek Lee strikes out. Pretty much Derek Lee's done all year long. He hasn't helped the Cubs at all, especially nope. invoking his no trade clause. Yep. And, and, and here you are. The, the Cubs lose another ball game. Uh, but, you know, th- this team was set up to fail from the onset. Of yes, the they were. They, they had five or I think at least five rookies in the bullpen. Yeah, it was five rookies in the bullpen plus Marmol and Marshall. You can't win in the major leagues like that. So, I mean, just look at look at the guys that they still have on the team from two years ago when when they went what ninety seven and sixty four and then and then bombed out in the playoffs to the Dodgers. Still have uh, Fugadome, Zambrano, Dempster, Marmol, Sean Marshall, Derek Lee. Aramis Ramirez, Soriano, and Giovanni Soto, plus Ryan Terrio, Ted Lillard, were just traded. Who of those guys are really producing and contributing for your team right now? Yeah, really, hardly any of them. None of them, really. And it, you know, if you think about it, you know, people are booing Soriano. And if you, yeah, sir, sir, I'm not blaming Soriano. I did. I've ripped this guy for <laughs> the last couple of years. But when I saw him getting booed yesterday, I'm like, you know, I know he's making $17 million and he doesn't deserve it, but he actually... It looks like he's improved this season. Yeah, yes, he does. You know, it, it, he's out there early catching fly balls and stuff. Uh, he's running the bases better. It, it's kind of funny that that's how bad this season is that I'm starting to defend <laughs> them going Soriano because I'm like, you know, he isn't their worst player, and at least he's trying. That's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. <laughs> that is sad. And and you know what? I've, I, uh, I felt bad for Cubs fans because he's been so terrible since he's been here. But I, I actually applaud Alfonso Soriano because Alfonso Soriano wins. Uh, he's getting paid seventeen million dollars to play baseball every day. He doesn't at least at least this year he cares. That's that's nice to see. Before in the past past couple of years, you couldn't even discern that if he really even cared to be out there. But he's still mm-hmm. collecting a paycheck every day. So for that, Alfonso Soriano wins. Yeah, he makes more in one game, which he has to play less than over a course of a of a year. If you think about it. They they like you. Those guys practice for what about six weeks? Yeah. Before the season starts, so legitimately, those guys work about 190 days a year at the most. Yep. Okay, so about half a year. Mm-hmm. So he works every other day throughout the course of the year, and he gets paid 108 thousand dollars <laughs> every time he works. Okay. <laughs> That's... So if you think about 108 thousand, uh, you know, a teacher that is right now at a school. In Englewood, Englewood High School makes about thirty thousand dollars a year. Just something to consider. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Is one hundred eight thousand dollars is not even that big of a, a figure in the context of what professional athletes make. And I still cannot rationalize how much money that is because I'm yeah. so poor. I can't rationalize how much hundred uh, hundred eight thousand dollars actually is. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty sad. I mean, you know, it's, I I know poor Matt is the best way. <laughs> I, I was riding my bike the last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah, you were. After Bill, yeah. at least you built a TV set, though. That, I mean, you built a TV studio. This is true. This so, is true. So there you go. And, I yeah, mean, and my job on that particular show is to, to defend the Cubs for the Cub fan. Oh okay? God! And you know, it's it, it's funny the amount of abuse I get from White Sox fans. And they're like, <laughs> "Oh, you so much." I'm like, "You trying to do my job? You couldn't do it." You know, so. But that's cool. At least I'm a hated. I'm a hated guy in the South Side, and I really wanted that to happen. At least, at least that means they're listening. This is true. We need more people to hate me. That's what I'm hoping. 
You know, like right now, if I go to like when I went to the U.S. Cellular, like three people recognized me. Did they I really? Want, like thousands of people be like, "That's him," because I want all those fast flops. Okay, <laughs> the girls with the tramp stamps, I'll let them catch me. Okay, but you know. The... And then when Chicago fans boo, man, they boo with passion. They boo with pride. Yes, they do, and they, they definitely can be violent. And I've lived, I've lived four blocks south of uh, of U.S. Cellular Field. Oh, that's a and safe area. I was doing, I was doing the show with Coach. On twelve forty, then everybody knew I did the radio show, and people would just yell into my window, and I had the windows open. Come suck! What's <laughs> like a freaking life? So. Um, well, back back to the Cubs. I mean, other than uh, than Castro and, and maybe Tyler Colvin, um, I think Tyler Colvin's been been great, but he hasn't been outstanding. Uh, who? No, no, definitely. Trust me, there are still big time question marks about Tyler Colvin. It, he is still Gordon Beckham of last year. People think yeah. he's automatic. He's not an automatic superstar. Don't think that. I, we, you should be very impressed in, in what do you call it? Uh, I don't know. You should. You, there's hope, but it's not like Starling Castro, who you know is going to be a star. Agreed. Agreed. And that was one of the things that uh, that bothered me about about Gordon Beckham is that everybody expected him to just be a superstar from day one. It's just really not how the game works. Uh, and, and Chicago fans, especially, I feel are. Uh, very quick to uh, to set lofty expectations, yeah, albeit unfair. They, uh, they annoying people. They also rip them. Like uh, all of a sudden, with Jay Court, because Jay Cutler is a horrible quarterback, because they had a twenty six interception season. Oh yeah, and he's a big baby because he gets upset when he gets sacked, and it's it's ridiculous. I I think uh, I think everybody just needs to calm down. Um, uh, but, you know, it's funny is Tom Brady is a leader when he yells at his offensive <laughs> line when when they miss a block. <laughs> Absolutely, and Peyton Manning is a competitor when he throws the ball down after after getting picked off or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh it's it's fun to look at double standards like that. But uh, if if other than Castro and Colvin, who who are you really keeping from this team? Who is even worth keeping? Okay, and uh, and and I mean this with the utmost respect. Next year, don't expect uh, Marlon Bird to hit <laughs> three fifteen and and you know and be this offensive juggernaut that he's been. Hopefully next year when Marlon Burke comes back, he plays just as well defensively, which, by the way, is gold caliber. He made two more phenomenal plays yesterday. Yes, he did. And, and also expect this, that he will be a leader, and the stuff that he does will help the little things he does, like telling people you're tipping pitches, yeah. uh, just setting an example by always hustling and, and taking you know, uh, like fly balls before the game. He's going to bring that to the table. Don't expect him to be the number five hitter next year for the Cubs. Right. Okay? So, but but still, you, you gotta like him. Those are like the few bright spots that we have, and, and I guess uh, you, you would hope that Aramis Ramirez, maybe with a with a healthy, if he's healthy next year, would it would be back to the 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 RBI machine that he had been. So I'm not ready to write off the 2011 Cubs, but this is what I, what they really need is a healthy Angel Guzman. Uh, some of these rookies in the bullpen to make a step up at the end of the year and then slide Sean Marshall into the starting rotation. Yeah. And if and if, if Sean Marshall could be good next year, maybe the Cubs hit. If Carlos Zambrano could live up to his $18 million a year contract, hmm. maybe they can good be luck. a good team next season. <laughs> yeah, in, in theory, yes, you're right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Zambrano got dealt, which I think is unfortunate. I think the fans have turned on him pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, this guy who had double-digit wins, and from 2003 to 2008. I mean, last year he was only nine and seven, but he had a, a 3.77 ERA. He was he was not worth 18 million dollars by any means, but I mean, he's a baseball player. 
most baseball players are overpaid. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's – I think he can still be an asset. I think he can still be somebody you can count on maybe as a number two starter who might be able to win you a big game. Yeah, and you know what? It's kind of fine with kind of like talk over myself in a second. But, you know, he, he depends on movement, not velocity. Okay, and back when he did have all kinds of velocity, when he tried to throw the ball too hard, it would go straight and he would get hit. But then again, if he's only throwing 88 miles an hour, he's not as fine and as can locate like Greg Maddox does. So he's got to figure out a way to get that easy tease back, so where he where he can throw 93, 96 miles an hour and yeah. still get that great movement. So that, that that's really key for him. And maybe he should pitch when he's fat. <laughs> when he was fat, he was a lot better. I don't care if my pitchers are out of shape. Seriously, if you can give seven innings every time you go out there, hopefully nine, I know the times are different, yeah. I'm happy with you. I don't care what you look like. You can look like Terry Forster as far as I'm concerned. Okay. <laughs> look like an old Forrest Whitaker. Just get out Just get out there and throw the ball. I don't care. David Wells, David Wells is the epitome of a fat athlete, and he had a perfect game. I'm that, but, which is also the reason why I don't like baseball as much anyway. I don't like baseball as much as that. You you don't have to be in shape to do it. You can you, you can be some fat slob and you can go out there and and play. But that, that said, David Wells is representing fat people everywhere, and for for that I applaud him. Yeah, but you also have to have a mind. Yes. You know you have to have uh you you have to have a skill set and you have to be smart in order to play that game. So in a way, it's like the everyday everyday guy's game. Yeah. If you could really work on a skill, you don't have to be this ridiculous athlete in order to do it. That's what I love about the game of baseball. Yeah. Agreed. I just wish they would have uh I just wish the Cubs would have blown that team up after after that two thousand eight debacle. Uh I think uh I think after that, after after you have that kind of season you get blown out like that in the playoffs, it's time to they, it's they time did to destroy the squad. Trading Mark DeRosa. Yeah, your mo- your best player. Even. It's one of the stupidest trades. I know he's been hurt and he hasn't produced all that much since then. But legit, that was like symbolic of that. He was the heart and soul of that team. He was the leader. He played every position besides catcher and pitcher. And and he legitimately started at six positions for the Cubs. Catcher, pitcher, and shortstop were the only ones he didn't start at while he was with the Chicago Cubs. And they trade a guy like that. It was just symbolic of how dumb that like the whole Milton Bradley and the direction that team was going. In, so. And he was the best player on the team against the Dodgers. I believe he had four of the six RBI, four of the six runs that uh, that that were scored by the Cubs in that series. He was responsible for. So he, to watch, he's a, he's a run producing machine, man. He's yep. a, the biggest problem the Cubs hitter. have in terms of their play, and I'm not talking about their players, is their ability to situational hit. Marco Rosa is like what I mean by situational hit: no outs, runner at second, you hit the ball to the right side. Mark Russell yeah. would try to hit the ball to the right side. Run a tie ball game, runner at third, less than two outs. Mark Russell looks for a pitch high in the strike zone so he can hit a fly ball, so he can drive in the, uh, you know, get a sacrifice. That dude Smart. had 80 RBI seasons, even though he was hitting 280 with 15 home runs. Yeah. It's, you I mean, it was, I don't know. That, you, that, it bothers me when I see guys with a total lack of conscience of what's going on in a ball game. So It's so easy to not pay attention, though. It's baseball. Well, you know what? You know, okay, you're down three in the ninth inning, and nobody's on base. You know what you do? You figure out how to take a walk and get on first base. Absolutely. You're not trying to hit a home run. You're not trying to pad your stats. You just figure out a way to get to first base, whether it's a drop third strike, a hit by pitch, 
were if you do have to, you know, single to get on base. And that, the, the, the Cubs are missing that. And that's what I love about Marlon Bird is, is Marlon Bird competes like a football player, but he plays baseball. Marlon Bird just has so much heart. It's it's what it's what he brings every day. He brings effort every day, and I think that's what the team really needs. They, yeah, and, and by the way, he he. There's been a couple times this year he should have been called out for getting hit by a pitch because he leaned into it. <laughs> and, and you're usually in a situation where the Cubs need a base runner. Yeah. You know, and yeah, if there's a runner at third and less than two outs, Marlon Burke's trying to hit a sacrifice fly. Absolutely. So uh, we just need more players like that. Uh, since we're running out of time, I'll, I'll switch gears uh, real quick to the White Sox. Just want to know, are they making the playoffs? Are they getting in? Yeah, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I, I will tell you this, the, the addition of Matt Cap really does That's help the Minnesota Great pickup by yeah. Minnesota. What's up? I said that was a great pickup by Minnesota. Yeah, it is because you know all of a sudden John Roush is your ace inning guy, and all of a sudden that bullpen looks a lot better. Yes, and they're also going to get Justin Morneau back, which I'm terrified of. The the, the White Sox are still going to win that division. They their whole thing as long as they don't get like destroyed by the Twins when they when they play them head to head, which yeah. shouldn't happen. They should win that division. They're they're a better team than the Twins. You look at it, you know, it's one of those things on paper. Like the Packers look better than the Bears, and I will agree yeah. with that. But uh, uh, Delman Young is not going to continue to hit 330 and drive in more than a run a game like he has the last month and a half. I certainly okay. hope not. But then again, also Joe Maurer hasn't really had his typical good season. But I, I, the White Sox are a better team than this win. Uh, if Gavin Floyd and John Banks and Mark Burley continue to pitch the way they have recently, especially Gavin Floyd. Oh, man, he's been lights out. He's the best. He could be the – forget the best pitcher. He might be the best player in baseball over the last third of the season, the last 50 games. Yeah. And, like, Gavin Floyd goes out there and it's like eight innings, one run, you know, and every single game it's eight innings, one run. And then the White Sox win every single time he goes out there. So. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I believe his last 10 starts, he's, I don't know his wins and losses, but I believe he has a .82 ERA. .82. Point, American <laughs> League. And pitching at the cell, it's a bandbox. And pop uh-huh. flies get out there. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and it's, it just goes to show is people like almost gave up on the guy. He always starts out horrible. Yeah. I don't understand that. People, you need to look at somebody's past. <laughs> you know, you look at it and say, "This guy, Gavin Floyd, always starts out bad and ends up having a pretty decent season." So yeah. it, it happened again this year to him. So, well, uh, they got 21 of their 53 games left against both the Twins and the Tigers. Uh, the, the Tigers, I think, uh, I think they can put a fork in here pretty soon within their next series. I know they got one more today, uh, and then they got another three with them in about seven, eight but days or so. And it's uh, basically Justin Verlander and pray for rain the other four days with their rotation right now. Though. Absolutely, Rick Porcello just got shelled in the first in the first uh, first game of that doubleheader yesterday. Juan Pierre hitting a home run. How about it? Who? Well, it, was, it was over 800 at bats since the last time he hit a home run. <laughs> and I, I'm not kidding you. I was watching the game, and right when he hit it, I'm like, oh, that's a home run. And then I was like, no, that's Juan Pierre. It can't be a home run. That's exactly, that's exactly how it went through my head. You know what I mean? Because you know it's a home run when you see it. And then, oh, absolutely. And then I was and then I reminded myself, it can't be. It's Juan Pierre. Oh, yeah. But it did, it did go home up, runs. So. And he got it out. And I wish I would have gone to Vegas and bet on that. In Detroit, that's a tough home run. That's a tough uh, ballpark to hit home run in. Uh, you know, if gambling were legal, I would have bet on that. Well, I'm sure there's some internet site that goes somewhere to Kuwait or something like that that you can wager a bet at. So. <laughs> and who doesn't want to bet through somebody at Kuwait? 
Oh, uh, I was those good people there. Good people, <laughs> great hummus. Yeah, I got I got family there. There are Duffies in Kuwait. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sunscreen, I certainly hope. <laughs> um, and last, real quick, because we're running out of time. Uh, I know you don't you don't really care because uh, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm the biggest basketball fan in this city. Uh, but the Bulls got a Christmas Day game. Are you excited that the Bulls are finally relevant again? Um, nope. Are they didn't really think relevant? so? <laughs> didn't didn't think so. Uh, I personally no, no, am I'm excited. Just, no, I, no I, I do like the Bulls. I'm gonna sit. I'm not gonna. I'm not sitting here to bash the Bulls. But are they really relevant? There's only three teams in the NBA: the Heat, the Celtics, and the Lakers, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Don't don't forget the Thunder. So which one of those three are they playing on Christmas Day? Oh, uh, the Knicks. <laughs> really, they're playing the Knicks. Yeah, Christmas they're playing. It, they're playing in New York at like 11 a.m. Uh, well, congratulations to those guys. And if one of them complained, like, I want to be in New York on Christmas Day, shut up. You're an NBA player. You get paid. The minimum is like $10,000 a game for those guys. So oh, I don't yeah. want to hear anybody complaining that they have to go to New York on Christmas Day. So. <laughs> uh, Joel, thank you for uh, for tuning in with me today. I really do appreciate the help. Uh, I want to thank Dan Parr for taking some time uh, over at Bourbonnet. And, uh, again, John Cohn will be out the rest of this week. So if you are looking for the coach, uh, tune in next week on Monday. But we've got uh, another two guys coming up. I believe Matt Brady, and I don't know who else will be tomorrow. I'm not sure who's tomorrow, but, yeah, Coach right now is remodeling his basement right now. And we wish him the best of luck with that. Joel, again, thank you. And uh, until next time, I'm Matt Duffy.